Last week, we blithely advised listeners who are struggling even to find somewhere to rent that they could house share. Mm, sure. You need somewhere to live. Um, so we're going to be looking at that whole house sharing thing in today's podcast, and we're going to be talking about sunset clauses and how they can affect your decisions on buying or not buying <laughs> off the plan, and a couple of other things that have come up in the news. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So having advised our listeners who can't afford to buy or rent a flat on their own to maybe consider flat sharing, I had a bit of a look at that this weekend to see how would you do it? I mean, it's been so long since we've shared houses Mm. with anyone. Mm. And of course, since we last did it, the internet has been invented and stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. It always used to be notes on boards that if you were at college or things stuck on lampposts. Friends and room to rent, yeah, 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 yeah that right. kind of thing. Well, they still do stick them on lampposts sometimes, don't they? But it's probably not a very efficient way of doing it. Probably not. Although it does get you people who are already living in the area. So anyway, I went online and I found look, there's a few things. Gumtree is a thing called Gumtree Share um, or Gumtree Rent. But the two big platforms uh, seem to be uh, flatmates.com.au and Flatmate Finder mm-hmm. is another one. Flatmates.com.au is owned by realestate.com.au. They bought it in 2016 for $25 million. <gasps> wow. Now, it claims to be the most visited website. Flatmate Finder claims to have the most properties and potential renters on Mm. it. Some of the figures that they use, it's quite funny. Flatmates.com.au says, we're twice as big as our nearest rivals. And then they show you this graph that shows that they have 90% of the market, which... So it's different figures, but let's just say that there are two platforms that are big. There there are others, but these seem to be the biggest ones. Mm. And the way they make the money is that you can list your property or yourself, uh, if you're looking for a a flat share, uh, for free. But they're limited. The free version is limited. And if you pay something like 25 bucks for between 10 days and two weeks of coverage, then you get more use and a more prominent listing of you yourself or your properties. Yeah. That looks quite good, actually. And the there's certainly the flatmates.com.au, the website is quite, how can I say User-friendly? Yeah, and it's mm. light. The tone of it is kind of young and light, mm. as it should be. Mm. And there's lots of different bits of information in there. It tells you how to be a good flatmate and, you know, how to find the right flat for you and... Um, and lots of sort of basic stuff. It also lists the most expensive and least expensive suburbs in Australia in which to share a room or share a flat. So I had a look at them. I've got the cheap ones here, and you've got the list of expensive ones. Yeah. So where's the cheapest um, place in Sydney to to rent? 
According to this, to share, flat, to, to flat share, yeah. and this is the this is the median cost per room per week. So the cheapest is Croydon, two hundred and five dollars a week, and it oh, is Indiana West, nine kilometers from the CBD. Mm. East Lakes, which is six point nine kilometers away, is two hundred and ten a week. Centennial. Well, that's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of development at East Lakes. I think Crown Group are doing a big development yeah. there. So. You'd expect the prices to go up over time. Yes, mm, yes. Yeah. Um, Centennial Park, which is very handy. Wow. Um, Two hundred and twenty. That's a surprise, for a room isn't it? Per week, maybe it's because of the kind of buildings around there. You know that they're well, they don't have a lot of high rise around Centennial Park. Yeah. But they've got a lot of old style apartment blocks. That's true, and kind of transport's a little bit difficult from there as well, isn't mm. it? Because I guess with, you know, people going for flat shares, they're going to be working um, and they'll want to need to travel to their workplace if they're not working from home. Yeah. So probably closeness to transport is is a really high priority. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just proximity to the city that determines the price. Because in this list of the, the 10 cheapest, um, the furthest away is Hillsdale, which is two hundred and fifty dollars a week, mm. and it's nine, nearly ten kilometers away from the CBD. Yeah, so it's the quality of the accommodation, probably the the number of available places. And you might find in some areas that you know two hundred dollars or two hundred and fifty dollars a week is going to get you a much bigger room because mm. the yeah. apartments might be bigger or the houses yeah. might be bigger because mm. we're talking about houses as well here yeah, yeah absolutely well it's interesting when you look at the most expensive places to flat share in sydney mm. some of these are the ones that you'd expect and some are surprises like bondi beach is the most expensive at 400 dollars a week wow and um, bronte nearby 365 but then the surprising one is the sydney cbd that's 360 a week in the past, you'd have expected it to be one of the most expensive, but at the moment, prices, uh, property prices in the CBD are much lower and rents have gone down because, you know, lots of overseas students who traditionally rented in places in the CBD are mm. not there anymore. So they had to reduce their rents, but they're obviously not reducing the rents by too much. Well, this is, could be an out-of-date list in terms of specific figures. Mm, sure. Because I, Haymarket I notice Haymarket is quite yeah. high as well. Yeah. And I think demand has gone down there. Yeah. But, you know, just as a general rule, you're looking at the expensive flat share places are the places that young people want to be. You mm, know, I'm looking at your right. list there. I'm seeing uh, North Bondi, Paddington, Rushcutters Bay, Tamarama. Mm, the beachside places. The beachside and yeah. city, you know, and, and I, that makes sense. You know, people want to have, they're paying for the lifestyle. Yep, absolutely. And it's the same in Melbourne because the most expensive places, but these are much cheaper than Sydney. Yep. Melbourne rents have always been cheaper than Sydney. But the most expensive places are East Melbourne, Collingwood, Port Melbourne. But they start at 320 a week and then... They go down the top 10. If you look at the top 10, the, the 10th most expensive on my list is South Bank, and that's 260. Yeah. Um, the most expensive, 320. So, yeah, Prawn, Balaclava, Fitzroy North, Carlton, you know, Richmond, all those places, they are really kind of lifestyle. Mm. Where are the bargains in Melbourne? Well, Fairfield. So, yeah, Fairfield, mm. $175 a week, and that's uh, 6.2 kilometres from the city centre. 
Well, that's a huge difference, isn't it, really? Yeah, that is a really affordable place to live, but mm. you are a fair distance out um, from the city centre. You know, there's, and there's, uh, there's places like, well, we know somebody who lives in Elsternwick, mm. um, which is 7.8, like eight kilometres, say, from the city centre. Yeah, and that's a great suburb. Yeah, and that's 200 bucks a week. Wow. It's pretty good, isn't it? But you know, you'd be, that would probably be in a house. A room in a mm, house. Not so many apartments around no, there. Yeah. No. The other cheap places, uh, Coburg North, 180, Braybrook, 185, West Footscray, 190. These are pretty cheap places to rent a room in. Yeah, you kind of think if you were a young person starting out in your career, you know, if you, you might want to live in Sydney, but it might be much, much cheaper to live in Melbourne, really. Yeah. You know, and if you could have the same, similar kind of job. And if you're a young person who's just leaving home for the first time, house sharing and flat sharing is a great way to go because you're living with people who kind of get living away from home already. They're already doing it. They know the area. They know the best pubs, that, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a ready-made social crowd. Yeah, and it's a stepping stone to the next phase, which is saving up to yeah. buy an apartment or, or renting renting your, your own, own apartment. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, my nephew um, rented a place when he first came to Sydney. And it was great because he had lots of flatmates who were all around the same age and had similar interests, which is a, an advantage of these flat share programs mm. platforms because you can find people just like you. And they were a ready-made social group and they moved from bar to bar and restaurant to restaurant. And they, they all cook for each other hmm. and they kind of really made it work well, which is, is nice. Because yeah, but it all started to fall apart when one of their flatmates, they discovered she was making her money on OnlyFans pornography sites. <laughs> he didn't tell me that. Did oh, he really? not? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, there was a young woman in their flat who was, who was making a lot of money hmm. doing online pornography. Oh, wow. Goodness yeah. me. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, I mean I've mean, i had lots of flat share experiences, but um, we were never, we never kind of got really, really friendly. We got a bit friendly, I suppose. Yeah. But um, actually, I remember, Jimmy, that's how I first met you. We were what, sharing a, a flat. Site? No, we were sharing a flat together. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, indeed. Oh, my God. There you go. Well, that's only just occurred to me. Oh, well, you might find future partners there as well, I suppose. Yes, yeah, it's always possible. Um <laughs> Looking at Brisbane, mm. again, a lot cheaper. The cheapest suburb is Rockley, which is about 10 kilometres from the city centre. Uh, Fairfield is about four and a half kilometres. Funny, because we've got the same suburb name in Melbourne, which is one of the cheapest as well, Fairfield. Oh, it must be a good play to start your search. Search for <laughs> Fairfield in, you, in your city. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few Maruka. These are, I have to admit, these are suburbs... I have never heard of mm. in this list, and that might explain why they're among the cheapest. But $160 for a room for a week is pretty good going. Yeah, and the most expensive ones in Brisbane aren't that much more expensive because we've got Brisbane City, which is 290 a week, Newstead, which is a great suburb. It's a really good lifestyle yeah. place, 280 Belimba, 250 They're not bad, really, are they? Mm, in Fortitude Valley, is 250 yeah, I mean, it's a kind of different culture up there, isn't it? Uh, that in terms of certain, certainly in apartments, and there's a lot of holiday homes and things like that. I wonder if that keeps the flat sharing costs down. I don't mm. know. It does. Certainly, they're, they're lower. 
Um, and Canberra, the cheapest, according to this list, is Mawson. Because Canberra prices, rental prices are quite high. Oh, the rents are the highest in the nation. So share, room sharing, Mawson would get you a room for 193 a week, mm. Bruce for 200 The nearest cheap place to the city centre is Ainsley, which is 3.7 kilometres away, and that's $220 a week mm. for a room. It's not bad. I mean, in the Canberra CBD, I think that's the most expensive at 330 Yeah. And they've got places like Western and Colleen. They're getting up to, certainly up to Melbourne prices, aren't they? Mm, they certainly are. One of the places that rents have gone up a lot, apparently, is in Tasmania. Mm. North and northwest Tasmania. Rents have gone up 20% in Launceston, mm. which I have to mention is where my new novel is set. <laughs> <laughs> It's not published yet, folks, so don't be rushing down to your bookshops. But, yeah, that area is booming. Mm. And partly, I think, because of its proximity to Melbourne and Sydney, less than an hour and a half on a, on a plane. Mm. And for people who want to get away from it all, it's a, it's a great alternative. It's a great little town, Launceston. Mm. There's a lot going on there. It's yeah. got that market and they've got lots of cafes. and yeah. kind of, It's a bit like New Zealandy, I feel. Mm. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think my experience of Lawn System was blighted by one time when I went there and I had to go and I was doing a book chapter on a family who were growing different teas and herb herbs oh, yeah. in the countryside. And it took me ages to get there because with the GPS, it, it wouldn't work because yeah. there was just no coverage. And um, when I got there, they were doing everything by hand, no machines whatsoever, and it was freezing cold. It was in the middle oh, of winter. God. Everything was thick snow, and they had an outdoor toilet, which was bloody freezing. When <laughs> They asked me to stay, but I said, no, 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 because I've got to get the plane back, and I got completely lost on the plane back. And they gave me some herbs to try. On the way back to the plane. You didn't on get lost on the plane. No, no, sorry, on the way back to the plane. And by the time I arrived... The plane was just about to take off and they delayed it so I could get on the plane. But unfortunately, these bags of herbs broke in my haste to get on the plane. And I left this trail of really pungent <laughs> herbs all the way up. And the, the passengers were really already annoyed with me because they delayed the plane for me. Yeah. And then the smell was just absolutely overpowering. <laughs> so whenever anyone mentions Launceston, I kind of shudder a little bit. But that's quite unfair, really. It is. Yeah. <laughs> You can keep that to yourself when I do my book tour, if the <laughs> book ever gets published. So I'm looking for the very cheapest place on this list to rent a room. Mm, in Australia? In Australia. It's a tie between Perth's suburbs of Wilson and Dianella. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's $150. $150 wow. a week. And... Adelaide has $150 also for Rostrever and Croydon Park. Ah. Interesting. Adelaide is a lot cheaper than Hobart. Mm, yeah. The yep. cheapest one in Hobart is 188 a week. Mm. So we yeah. know what your most expensive one is, which is, is it Bondi? Yep, that's right, Bondi, 600 Yeah, so Bondi gets the crown yet again. Bondi at 400 
Right. 400, <laughs> not 600. <laughs> Sorry. Could yeah. be 600. They're going, prices are going up so quickly. Mm. So, and the other thing about these websites um, that really fascinated me was all the other stuff. So you've got people advertising their rooms in their houses or flats. Mm. You've got people advertising themselves saying, I want a flat chair. Yeah. Come and get me. You also have things they, that they organize that they call meetups, where you get people who are thinking of doing a flat share mm. and they get a chance to meet up and talk about what kind of flat they would want to have. And once they've decided they quite like each other, then, of course, because flatmates.com.au is owned by realestate.com.au, they can just flick over to their listings for rentals mm. and find something there. Yep. But it's quite a clever thing. And they also have a list of convenient apps that you can put on, things like a chores app. So you can say, it's your turn to take the bins out. It's your wow. turn to clean, to do the dishes. Gosh, that would so, revolutionise so, so, flat sharing. So everybody it? has this app on their phone and they know, oh, it's my turn to... No excuses. ...clean the cat litter or whatever. Mm. They also have an app that allows you to record, like if you went out and bought pizza and beer for everybody uh, because you were the one whose credit card wasn't maxed out, then you put that in the app and everybody has to, they, they're told this is the share that you have to, to pay back to this person. That's great. Um, they have bills, of course, electricity bills and things like that. They have um, a, an app that tells flatmates where the other flatmate is at any given point. Oh, that's a and, bit creepy. Well, I mean, it's all consensual. But oh, right. They, so that people can keep an eye on each other. Especially, they say, you know, if you go out to a pub or a dance or whatever and one of the flatmates goes off with someone mm. and they the way they word it is if their date doesn't work out, they can find you mm. and join in for the rest of the evening. But oh, I think really what they're saying is if their date really doesn't work out, you can find them. Mm, absolutely. Another app is tells you where what restaurants in your area are giving uh, cheap takeaways to get rid of their food at the end of the evening. Oh, do they do that? Apparently. I didn't know this. No, I didn't either. It's a really good idea. So, So restaurants go on and say, look, all our kebabs are half price for the next two hours. Mm. Um, they get The food doesn't go to waste. And as we know, people who rent rooms in flats tend to stay up late at yeah. night, at the weekends, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Mm. So there's a lot of information on yeah. these things. I think it's pretty good. Mm, absolutely. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about, well, I, I think, a topic that's quite close to your heart, Sue Williams, and that is sunset clauses. That's after this. One of the best the most gratifying things you can do as a journalist is you find a problem and not only do you expose the problem, but you get a solution, especially if they change the laws. And you managed this a couple of years ago on mm. the vexed question of sunset clauses. So tell us how a sunset clause works. Yeah, well, when you buy an apartment off the plan, there's a date by which it should be finished. Mm. And if it's not finished by that date. And if it goes over by too much, yeah. the developer always had a right to um, cancel the contract. As did the, the purchaser. 
Yes, uh, yes, as opposed to as well. But the problem was in a market where prices were rising, it was discovered that developers were kind of deliberately delaying work in some yeah. cases so that they were able to legally cancel contracts. So then they could put their apartments back on sale for much higher prices. Yeah. And the difficulty was that it meant the people who had paid for the apartments, you know, put down their deposits in good faith and waited for maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe longer for them to be finished, suddenly were being refunded their money back and they'd been out of the property market for all that time that prices yeah. had been rising. Yeah. And they kind of, they'd been ready and waiting to move into the new apartment and suddenly it was no longer theirs. And people came to you with a story and in this particular case, a developer had bought the apartment block of the original developer with the stated intention of letting the sunset clause run mm. out. I think he saw it was an opportunity to make some big money. Yep. And he had al- already gone to some of the purchasers and said, if you give me a bit more money, I'll let you buy the apartment. Otherwise, mm. it's going to go to the sunset clause. That's right. And the people who come to you, this guy had actually moved into their apartment himself. Yep. So the developer was living in their new apartment, which had just been finished. Yeah. And saying, saying that it hadn't been finished in time. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I was in Victor Dominello's office and uh, we were having a chat and he said, is there anything else going on? And I said, you should read Sue Williams story in the Sydney Morning Herald. And he was absolutely outraged and he got the law changed. Mm. So now in New South Wales, do you have to go to the High Court, is it? I think it's the Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Supreme yeah. Court, not the High Court, that's too big. You've <laughs> got to go to the Supreme Court. If you're a developer and you want to argue that you have fulfilled the conditions of the Sunset Clause, which is basically that because of unforeseen circumstances, you haven't been able to complete on time. Mm. And that's quite relevant these days because with COVID, a lot of buildings have been delayed and also with the, you know, supply constraints, the rising cost of building materials, yep. the, the supply channels, disruption in the market. I think a lot of developers are looking at their projects and especially because prices have risen so much yep. and wondering if they could justify cancelling contracts contracts under that sunset clause. There's also the weather has been a big factor as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and the, buildings that are near completion. Mm. There's also the other aspect of this, which is you may have bought into a building in an area where prices have gone down. I know there aren't many areas like that, mm. but and where prices are likely to go down even more if interest rates go up. And you might be thinking, I may have made a bad choice here. Mm. So yeah. it's it's possible that the purchasers could be looking at sunset clauses as well. Mm. But let's take it, in most places, house prices are going up. Mm. So what should one be doing to make sure that the developer isn't swinging the lead and slowing down the project? Yep, absolutely. You should always be prepared, really, for the worst possible um, outcome. So mm. if you can, if you, if you live nearby to the um, building site you should visit it regularly and take photos on your phone and mm. if you can have them date stamped as well yeah. if you see that there's nobody working on a site right if the site's completely empty that that will be really good evidence that you might be able to present in court if a developer applies and For says look sunset. it was out yeah, yeah and says it was beyond his control to mm. to delay work and you can say well no there was no work on this date there was no work on another date 
If you don't live very close, it might be a good idea if you've got a friend living nearby or if you can speak to um, a local counsellor or um, somebody from a just even a local shop or something and ask them to have a look from time to time and take a picture for you. And, you know, you might pay them, obviously, or you might um, go there whenever you're visiting the area. Um, but I think it's really important to be, you know, forearmed with that kind of evidence just in case. Mm. Yeah, I think the the idea of taking pictures, and I do recall that case that you highlighted uh, all those years ago, um, they had taken pictures and videos of the building site and they'd taken all the workers off the building site and they just had one person who was basically going around sweeping and manning the security gate. Mm. And they were able to show that there could have been work going on, mm. but they'd chosen to stop the work until the sunset clause had passed. That's right. And it's also good to keep an email trail. Yeah. You might be emailing the developer and saying, how are you getting on? You might say, I know the date that you expected to finish has, has passed, but what's happening now? When's the new date? Mm. How's work going on the site? That kind of thing. And if you keep those emails and their replies, if the developer replies to you, then that will be very handy as well. Yeah. And also try and get in touch with some other owners because mm. in the case that you exposed, the people who had ended up paying more had agreed to pay more another, I think it was 15% on top of the, the cost of the apartments just to be able to move in. They were a bit annoyed to find out that the other guys had mm. gone to court and won mm. and got to live in their apartment at the agreed price. Yeah, it's quite difficult arguing against a developer in court. I mean, any court appearance is really stressful. So the more people you've got on your side, as you say, mm. the better. Reassurance in numbers, really. I can imagine that the... Uh, Developers, when you go to them and say, "Can you give me the address of and the contact numbers of other purchasers?" They're going to say, "No, no, that's that'd be a breach of privacy." Oh, absolutely. Good old yeah. privacy comes in there. Mm, yeah. yeah, you kind of have to be a bit more inventive, I think, on in how social to media. Yeah, even putting an ad in the paper. You know, is anyone else mm. buying in this development? Yeah, or maybe they contracted another real estate agent to sell their their properties. You might mm. be able to get on side with that real estate agent and find out from him. Or her. Yes. They may contact the other buyers on your behalf and uh, and tell them to get in touch with you. They probably yeah. won't give you their email address or their phone number, but they can get in they touch can with pass them. them and, on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's stuff you can do, but I mean, there may be some bona fide cases of buildings that have been delayed because of COVID. You know, workers not being able to get on site because of. Um, the weather, because of the supply chain problems, there could be developments that are being delayed through no fault of anyone's, but you just need to keep an eye on it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about buildings, when we come back, just a couple of pieces of news that have come out this weekend that are quite interesting, including a report on the heat in buildings. Oh, okay. That's after this. Last week, we were talking about what has been described as a U-turn by the planning department about sustainability measures that were going to be compulsory under planning laws. And the planning minister decided that he would take them out because he wanted to make it easier for developers to build developments. There's a report in the Sun-Herald this week about an organisation called Sweltering Cities. Mm. 
and it's been looking at how hot apartments and houses are in Australia. Oh, okay. And apparently they're just they're built with very little insulation and they just get too hot and then people are having to run air conditioning. And this is exactly the kind of thing that was supposed to be introduced in these planning laws and which the planning minister rescinded. Um, but it sounds like, and especially um, renters, I mean, this report, this sweltering cities report, says that 49% of, of people say that the design of the suburbs increases the heat. So it's not just the design of the the houses and the apartments, it's the suburbs. There's too much concrete and stuff. Black tarmac. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, black roofs is an, yeah. has been another issue. Too little tree cover. And this report says 47% of renters will actually leave their houses or flats to get away from the heat in high summer. Wow. You know, they go to parks, they go to air-conditioned cafes or whatever. And for some of them, they're saying that the cost of running air-conditioning is actually more than the rent. Wow. So there's something seriously wrong there. Mm. Very much highlights a retrograde step by the planning department mm. who are quoted and saying that um, the New South Wales government was considering beefing up the basic standards for the design and materials used in buildings to reduce the heat. Well, you just... You just canned the You just canned the all that. Yeah, exactly. So why are you looking at it now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we know how important that is. In our apartment building where we live, mm. there are some apartments which don't go th- all the way through the building. Most of the apartments go through the building, but some yeah. of them don't. Mm. And they're just facing due north. Yeah. And they get really sweltering in the summer. And that's one of the reasons that some people won't buy in this building because we don't allow air conditioning on most floors. So and when we don't have the electrical capacity for air yeah. conditioning either. So people find it really difficult in the summer, and particularly renters, because they can't, you know, they're not allowed to install ceiling fans and mm. those kind of things. They have to just make do with little pedestal fans. Yeah. So it can be really hard for them. Ceiling fans work great. They do. But if you're a renter, yeah. you've got to ask yeah. permission to add one, and the owner might not let you. And, you know, talking to the original architects of this building, which won an environmental award because it had the flow-through natural ventilation, they said that originally all the apartments Mm, went through the building and then the developer or the person who bought the development of the original developer cut some of the apartments down to smaller sizes, Mm. which meant they couldn't have the flow through. That's right. Uh, It's just typical of developers, if you ask me. But the building's fine, but it is this lack of electrical capacity to run air conditioners Mm. Um, because I honestly believe that because of the way things have worked out and because of climate change, the people in the apartments that don't have the flow through air would be allowed to have air conditioning if Mm. the building had the capacity to to install it. Although I don't think that's ever been fully mm. examined because these apartments are smaller, mm. so they have less voting power. And people who have more voting power don't see why other people should benefit when they don't. But no, that's a pretty grim tidings. Mm. I mean, we're going into winter now, so I guess that's not... It'll be forgotten for a while. Yes, that's right. And then it'll be brought up again. I've, bad timing on this report, you got to think. 
sweltering mm. cities coming out as we're going into winter, people <laughs> going, what's the problem? The other thing that came out in the paper this week is the majority of local council areas are failing to meet their targets for new housing. And one of the problems highlighted is building too many apartment blocks on the fringes of the city where nobody really wants to live because they, mm. there's no transport there. Yeah. But, you know, you come into the the inner city and you have suburbs and the North Shore where, where they will desperately, desperately fight any high-rise buildings. It's almost like a religion. And you can, you can understand when you've got a nice leafy suburb with lots of little houses and, you know, and it's a kind of nice place to live. You don't necessarily want a huge high high rise being built on the corner of a street. There has to be a compromise, though. Mm. I mean, there's some really nice lower to medium rise buildings going up, yeah. but everything that goes above two stories is being blocked in some suburbs. That's right, and I think some of those people were cutting off their noses to spite their faces because when they get a bit older, they might want to downsize from their big house into yeah. something like an apartment which would be low maintenance and easy to live in and easy to lock up and leave and all that kind of thing, but they can't stay in the same area no. if there's no supply of those kind of apartments. Yeah, so it's you know it's evolving, it's changing, but uh, it's something that it, everything is so market-driven. And it's interesting that none of the political parties that are campaigning are even talking about negative gearing, which was one of the issues that cost Labour the election. Even though everybody, every economist I've ever heard says, if you want to stop house pricing getting out of control, get rid of negative gearing. Even if you grandfather it and say, like, it only applies to new sales, people mm. just won't go for it because mm. feel, they feel like that, that's money being taken out of their pockets. All right, we've covered a lot of ground and in it's another fairly lengthy podcast this week. Sue, thanks for coming in. Great, Jimmy. Thank you. And I know when you kick me out, finally, I know how to go and find a flat <laughs> chair. Uh, the links to all that stuff will be on the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.